Humans are fascinating in their ability to adapt, evolve, and overcome situations and obstacles in a short amount of time. The technology that we make improves so fast that in the span of a decade, it becomes almost unrecognizable. And yet, when it comes to us, the individual, we are often so frustratingly stubborn and set in our ways that it seems a wonder that we are capable of change at all. Why is it that we are often so bad at change, at least when it comes to habits that surround our health and wellness? Are there techniques or protocols that we could leverage to better change our lifestyle and habits? We look to science. My name is Andrew Pafford, and I'm a health and wellness professional with over a decade of experience helping Olympic-level athletes, desk jockeys, and seniors achieving their goals and improving their quality of life. Our goal with Primity is to find simple, at-home techniques and strategies rooted in science to help you with your health-related goals. Our information is meant to be descriptive, not prescriptive. We will always recommend that you talk to your appropriate health professional before making any serious changes to your routines. Now, as a health and wellness coach and physical trainer, my job is literally to help people change their lives. There are a myriad of tools and techniques that exist for the myriad of problems and challenges that we face, and there is no one answer. If one technique work surefire 100% of the time, everyone would be using it, and we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. The fact of the matter is, we are all different. And as such, different individuals will respond to different habit protocols and lifestyle changes, for better or worse. This is why some people can, say, quit smoking cold turkey, and some need a 12-step program. We're going to have real talk today about different factors that can influence your change, different protocols to go about making change, their pros and cons, and hopefully... By understanding the tools at your disposal, you will be able to choose a path that will be best suited for you, giving you the greatest chance at succeeding and reaching your goals. First and foremost, we need to understand our habits if we're going to change them. We are, as the saying goes, creatures of habit. We have a habit of making habits, and this is to help our poor conscious brains from succumbing to decision fatigue as it is now being thoroughly discussed among efficiency aficionados and mental health workers, decision fatigue is something many of us can relate to, yet we have not adequately defined or formed constraints around a definition for it. But to put it reductively for our discussion today, decision fatigue is basically what it sounds, becoming fatigued, becoming fatigued from making too many decisions, whether that fatigue is mentally or physically. This is where habits can come in. If I have the same thing for breakfast every morning, I don't need to make a decision about what I'm going to eat that morning. I have a habit of eating the same thing. Steve Jobs always wears a black turtleneck. He doesn't need to waste precious brain space about what he's going to wear for the day. He's developed a habit. Habits often exist not only as a consequence of ensured success, but also because it alleviates the potential for decision fatigue. I can continue to nourish and dress myself every morning without having to waste precious executive decision space. And that is one reason why habits are hard to break. They are the path of least resistance, and in many cases, they work. 
While these habits work, we may learn later on that they are not the best habit. Let's say picking up donuts every morning on the way to work may be the fastest way to feed myself in the morning. I later learn it's contributing to my weight and general health problems and need to stop. But not eating breakfast in the morning may not be the healthiest option for me, so not eating breakfast isn't a choice. Now I need to get up earlier and work at preparing my breakfast every morning. If I'm trying to create a new routine, I now have to make more decisions in the morning. Not to mention, I'm waking up earlier to prepare my breakfast and going through the labor of having to prepare it. This added stress of performing physical work, of preparing my breakfast, and making decisions is called friction. These are your barriers to success or changing habits. It's much easier to stop at a place on the way to work, say some words, throw some money through a window, and have gooey delicious food delivered to my lap. The friction of that habit is a low barrier to entry. I say entry because the friction comes later when you have to pay medical bills and take time to go to doctor's appointments for your metabolic issues, but we'll circle back to that later. Our bodies are quite literally wired to establish habits, not just for the sake of avoiding decision fatigue, but also to improve performance. If you had to consciously think about taking one step at a time when you walk, can you imagine how often people would be falling over the moment their mind wandered to think about something else and forget that they were walking? We have the ability to establish neural patterns. Through practice, we are able to essentially have our bodies execute complex commands with little to no conscious thought. When athletes are lifting weights, they're not thinking about the multitude of joints and muscles that need to fire in the appropriate sequence to perform a squat. They're typically thinking, oh man, this is heavy, or my personal favorite of, we're able to execute movements through practice with little to no thinking. The more we do something, the less we have to think about it, hint, hint, and the more efficient we begin to become. This is another key concept that we're going to tie in later. But the next important piece which can arguably be a component of friction, is time. Time is often the largest piece of friction that I will work with my clients on. I don't have time to get to the gym. I don't have time to cook dinner when I get home. I don't have time to perform my exercises. Now, I'm not going to offer some platitude like, well, Bill Gates has the same 24 hours you do. Sure, we are all born in different socioeconomic circumstances that give us different advantages or handicaps, depending on your position. However, we're all also human, and we all often succumb to very similar weaknesses. We can choose commutes that are too long. We can choose to live above our means. We can choose to spend time watching television or YouTube or scrolling through socials instead of using our time wisely. If I didn't have to drive as nice of a car, would I need to work as many hours as I am in order to afford it? If I didn't play as many video games, would I have more time to prepare my own food and get enough sleep? If I lived closer to my job, my rent may be higher, but would I save that same amount of money in gas but get more time back to take care of myself? These are often difficult questions to answer, but the best place to start with many people, and my clients are no exception, is with using a time audit. Just as it sounds, Mapping out roughly your routine for each day of the week 
and how much time is spent doing everything. Whether you set it up using a calendar app, a dry erase board, scratching it out on paper, put your routine down so you can visualize where your time goes. For my clients, this is usually where the revelations start. Typically, it's a sad realization how much time is committed to work and or commuting. There are various conversations to be had about how to go about rectifying that, but without seeing where your time goes, it's hard to figure out where your new habits are supposed to fit into your current schedule. At this point, the biggest elephant in the room to overcome in order to change a habit is friction. Friction is everything that works against you. Time, decision fatigue, money, effort, pre-existing neural firing patterns, you name it. Needing to think about changing a habit, researching what to replace that habit with, how to go about executing that new habit is all friction. So of course, it's much easier for us to stay set in our ways. Then what is the thing that we need to overcome friction so that we can change our habits? That is motivation. Motivation is the fuel needed to deal with the friction. Someone who thinks that they just want bigger biceps to look good has much less motivation than an athlete who needs a full ride to college to get out of their bad neighborhood or be stuck there forever. Your level of motivation can be a predictor of how much friction you're going to be capable of overcoming. Now, you don't need a high level of desperation in order to change your life, as in the example I just provided. However, if you are only superficially motivated, the first sign of friction is likely to dissuade you from your new course of action. At this juncture, there are a few tricks that we can employ. First is lowering friction. Kind of seems like a duh, but it's ob sometimes not that obvious when we happen upon them. At first run-in, obstacles often seem much larger or daunting than they are. Or maybe they're truly daunting, but the appropriate solution makes it insanely easier to tackle. Take, for example, our morning donut run routine. Let's say my solution is to cook eggs in the morning. Good protein, healthy fats, good satiety factor without spiking my blood sugar. Arguably a pretty healthy breakfast. But it takes mm, 10 to 15 minutes to prep the eggs. I like mine scrambled. Heat the pan, maybe saute some veggies, which also need prepping, cooking the eggs, eating the eggs, cleaning my plate, putting away food, scrap, food scraps in the butter, cleaning the pan, and I still haven't left for work yet, and that sounds like a lot of actual work. So, let's lower the friction. What if on Sunday, I cook my eggs in bulk, and I put them in containers for the week? Instead of tacking on 15 minutes a day, five days a week, five days a week, which adds 75 minutes of new work to my routine in the morning for breakfast, I've now reduced that to one possibly 20 to 25 minute routine change. Bulk cooking is a huge strategy to incorporate homemade meals into a busy weekly schedule that often isn't conducive to cooking during the weekdays. We can call this trick consolidating. We can take one action that we do many times during the week and figure out how to do it once to reduce the time and labor friction. Going to the grocery store every week, you may be able to buy certain foods in bulk from bulk stores, such as Costco or Sam's or BJ's. 
While the trips may take slightly longer to get through because you're having to buy more things, one bulk trip invariably takes less time than four grocery trips added together. Plus, there are financial benefits to bulk grocery and even bulk cooking. My local grocer allows me to place bulk orders through them and gives me a 10% discount on all of my food items, except meat, unfortunately. And since I have a family with three growing boys, we tend to move through respectable amounts of food. So buying in bulk lowers my grocery bill by 10% right out of the gate, thus lowering the financial friction of being at home. The other flip to overcoming friction is adding friction to maintaining the habit. Continuing with the donut example, we know donuts are not healthy. There is a very high probability that frequenting processed fast food establishments is going to contribute to metabolic disease. And with diseases and conditions come doctor's visits, time off work, medications. All of this costs time and money. So those quick, seemingly cheap, fast options are cheap and fast now, but expensive and time-consuming later. This is a hard trek to conceptualize, but it doesn't make it any less true. The point is to focus on the non-obvious but painful truths about the current habits we're looking to change. In other words, we're making them less appealing to continue doing. Have a habit of smoking? How appealing is it to visualize loved ones around you becoming hospitalized because of the second hand that you're putting out? This may not make the physical withdrawal of some of those habits any easier, but it can certainly improve your motivation. Conceptualizing the friction in a cost analysis sort of way helps with motivation. Another good plan or strategy is to have a plan. As simple as that sounds, we often focus on the rules of things, like a workout we intend to follow or a diet program we try to follow but not necessarily how to implement or execute those rules. For example, let's say I want to go on a diet program, such as the Whole30. No sugar and starches, eat lots of vegetables. A very reductive explanation, but pretty simple as far as rules go. Okay, so I don't eat bread, and I don't eat my cereal, and I don't drink my juice. I can follow those rules. But what am I actually going to eat? Are there any recipes that seem enjoyable? Do I have time set aside to prepare those foods if I'm not currently used to cooking? Can I acquire those ingredients? All of these things need to go into my plan for my new habit change. Planning does require a lot of decision-making and time investment. This is where your motivation arguably needs to be the highest to do this dirty work early on. Planning a new schedule, acquiring food, planning meal prep time, etc. is necessary to lower the friction of the execution of your new habit. Yes, being a little devil's advocate in the beginning to identify hurdles will lower friction and make your new habits easier as you execute them. This may seem like a duh, but again, I'm often surprised how often I have to warn my clients about X, Y, and Z things with changes they intend to make, and I get a, huh, I didn't even think about that. 
I mentioned it earlier regarding new motor patterns, but the same also applies to habits and lifestyle changes, and that is practice. If you just start learning basketball, is it reasonable to believe that you'll be able to play in the Olympics in just, say, two years? Then if you suddenly decide to change your lifestyle, why do we feel that we will be able to adhere to totally brand new rules with no room for error? Why then are we so hard on ourselves when we do err? The reality is that we need practice. And what's funny is typically when it comes to diet, when we err, we seem to feel that it gives us leeway to just go off the rails. For example, if I'm at a birthday party and I have a moment of weakness and I indulge in a cupcake, then I realize, oh shoot, I was trying to avoid sweets. Oh well, I've already cheated. So now I'll just have three more. This logic is akin to saying, if I accidentally drop a dish while cleaning the dishes and I go, ah, I can't believe I just broke a dish. Well, screw this. Now I'm going to smash the rest of the dishes. (laughs) Instead of wallowing in our self-pity, chalk it up to practice. Oops, I forgot. I better minimize the damage and keep it to one cupcake. No one's perfect, but hey, at least I didn't stray far good for me for stopping now before it went crazy. With lifestyle changes, embrace the errors that there is more room for improvement and take the time to reflect on how much change you've made. Why would you want to undo all of that change and progress? With time comes practice and with more practice comes fewer errors. Remember, lifestyle changes are changing the style of your life. You have your whole life to make these changes, not just during some six-week program. Just like learning a sport, you need to pick up a couple fundamentals and practice them before moving on and incorporating more advanced techniques. Start with a few simple, actionable steps that you know you can accomplish, and once you have that positive inertia, you can begin to add one to two new habits here and there. And with enough practice you will have accrued a few new healthy habits that you don't have to think about, and now you can keep the ball rolling and continue to accumulate more. Finally, another piece of the pie we'll discuss is support. Support is something that's often very difficult for people. Asking for help makes us feel vulnerable, and we often have very uncomfortable things that we would rather stay hidden. Even if you have the strength to ask someone for help, that support may not exist. I've had a couple devastating conversations with clients who know they need to make change. So we discuss rules and plans and possible points of friction and hype up motivation only to have a partner who undercuts them at home or a parent who eschews data and professional guidance for conventional wisdom. In these environments, having no support structure can sometimes make it insanely challenging to change a habit or lifestyle. Supports allow for honesty and uh, support. If you slip or make a mistake, having someone cast judgment or deride you is not going to be productive. At the same time, having someone who simply says, oh, it's okay, you'll do better next time, and may not hold your feet to the fire or hold you accountable, So if every time you err, all you get is a nice gentle pat on the wrist and the there, there, the reinforcement now becomes that it's okay to mess up, at which point 
the friction for staying in your old habit becomes less because there's no penalty or friction to go back. Having a close friend or family member to support you is nice, but they may not always be the appropriate type of support that you need. A health and wellness coach is not only able to provide that support, but is also knowledgeable in different strategies and appropriate lifestyle changes to help you along the way. Now, we discussed a lot of factors today involving changing your habits. While these principles are basically the same in every scenario, they may not look the same depending on how they are applied. Exercise, diet, sleep, time management, etc. So let's recap what we've discussed today and drive home some of the finer and more actionable points. We form habits to reduce cognitive load, whether to avoid decision fatigue or to assist in complex motor patterns. Friction can describe any component that creates difficulty for us, such as manual labor, mental labor, time cost, financial cost, etc. A time audit can help you see where you're spending your time. Are you spending the most time on things that you care about? Overcoming friction requires motivation. The greater the friction, the more motivated you may need to be to overcome it. Lowering friction can make it easier to overcome obstacles. Batching tasks, creating automation, or lowering costs like driving a less expensive car or eliminating a cable bill can help lower friction. Planning ahead and visualizing obstacles lowers the friction of overcoming them later. If I anticipate a problem, I likely already have a solution and I don't have to dedicate any extra energy or stress to overcoming it. Any new exercise, diet, or lifestyle change will take practice. Give yourself the grace to make a mistake and don't hijack your, practice, your progress by going off the rails. Find someone who will support you in your change. Be critical of who your support will be. And if there is no one, you can always consider professional help. Habit and lifestyle changes are not simple. They can be involved, but don't necessarily need to involve lots of friction. With an appropriate plan, you can lower friction by creating new habits and increase motivation to do so by conceptualizing the cost of staying in your current bad habit. Support structures also keep you honest and can help devise new strategies like batching and automation. If you're interested in improving your health and wellness, wanting to take your fitness to the next level, or needing to improve your quality of life, Primity offers virtual health and wellness coaching for personalized plans. Just drop us a line at info at primity.org. That's it for today's episode of Primity. If you found this information helpful, please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when new episodes arrive. You can also find us on YouTube Podcasts. We're always curious to see what you're curious about, so send us your questions, comments, and feedback to info at primity.org. And as always, strength comes in many forms, from within and without. So be strong to be useful. Take care, everyone, and stay strong.